Historically Thinking for the Commonplace Book for July 17, 2018. I'm Al Zambone. Today we have a lot of mayhem, some murder, and an example of purposeful culture creating. On this day in 1346, the army of Edward III of England began its march eastward across Normandy, attacking and destroying French towns as they went. This was the chevauchee, an older practice adapted to the new wars of the 14th century by Edward. It would become the predominant means of waging war for the next 150 years. Those towns that did not surrender to the English were shown no mercy. Their inhabitants massacred when they eventually fell. Hostages were shipped back to England to be freed for ransom. The aim of the chevauchee was to convince a population that its lord was unable to meet his obligations to protect them. Certainly, the king of France proved to be. Its consequences and the consequences of the chevauchee that followed over the next 15 years was the destruction of French society at every level. On this day in 1762, Catherine II became Tsarina of Russia following the overthrow and murder of her husband, Peter III, an overthrow that she instigated and a murder that she probably ordered. And in 1918, 100 years ago today, the Romanov royal family was murdered by a Bolshevik firing squad in the basement of a Patyev house in Yekaterina Siberg, Siberia. As the most recent historian of the incident has demonstrated, executed is too nice a word for what happened. The execution was thoroughly botched. The murderers were probably drunk. They resorted to bayonets and to beating the family to death with the butts of their guns. And an altogether happier event. In 1794 on this day, Richard Allen, once an enslaved man, organized Philadelphia's Bethel African Methodist Episcopal Church, now Mother Bethel, the mother church of the AME. He and other African Americans who were committed members of the new Methodist congregations of Philadelphia had gradually been pushed out as white Methodists became less and less accommodating. So Allen founded Mother Bethel. Right after he and other African Americans in Philadelphia had responded to the request of physician Benjamin Russ to serve the sick of the terrible yellow fever epidemics that had ravaged the city. Truly, Richard Allen, as the founder of an important American institution, deserves to be known as a founding father. Here's historian Helen Rappaport contemplating the murders that occurred in Yekaterinburg a hundred years ago today. In March 1917, the metaphorical cage that had protected the Romanov children till now became a very real and frightening one. The old Tsarist government, the state Duma, fell, and Nicholas was prevailed upon to abdicate. Now prisoners of the new Russian provisional government, the Romanov family were held under house arrest, first at the Alexander Palace from March to July 1917, then transferred to Tobolsk from August to April 1918, and finally sent to the House of Special Purpose in Ekaterinburg. It was here, in the center of the Ural's mining industry in western Siberia, during the last 98 days of their lives, that the Romanovs finally began to sense an ominous change in the atmosphere. Until then, they had endured the monotony of their captivity with a combination of intense boredom and calm resignation. But, for the Bolshevik Revolution, the endgame was in sight. 
and that meant one thing. A brutal and vindictive act of retribution would be carried out against the entire imperial family. Nicholas and Alexandra must have sensed that, sooner or later, the revolution would take its revenge on them. The violent deaths of these seven royal victims, along with their doctor and three loyal servants, although horrific to us now, were soon forgotten at the time. They were rapidly swallowed up in a much more hideous catalogue of savage fighting and murder that saw 11 million Russians die during the years of upheaval and civil war of 1917 to 1922. Yet despite this, for some people the Romanov family will always represent, historically, the symbolic first victims of the new Soviet regime, and a system that would go on to kill even more millions in the decades of Stalinist repression that followed. There is also another element that keeps this story in the public consciousness, a persisting sense, often not fully understood, that regicide, the killing of a king or a czar, is the killing of the king's anointed, that regicide is an act that crosses a line after which any evil is possible. But ultimately, it is the murder of innocent children that horrifies us the most. The canonization of the murdered Romanov family in the 1980s, followed by the resurgence of the Russian Orthodox Church after the collapse of communism in 1991, has fostered a level of veneration that has today turned Ekaterinburg into a major pilgrimage center. As a result, a great deal of evidence has come to light in the last 25 years in post-Soviet Russia about the circumstances of the family's time in captivity, from their house arrest at the Alexander Palace to the final haunting foreboding days in Ekaterinburg. Russian historians have, since the 1990s, published valuable evidence that had long been languishing in the Soviet archives. The continuing controversy over the DNA testing of the remains, first carried out in the 1990s and repeated more recently at the behest of the Russian Orthodox Church, has meant that the story regularly resurfaces in the press. Every time it does, the inevitable tedious conspiracy theories and claims of miraculous survival follow in its wake. Even now, they still refuse to go away. That's Helen Rappaport in her book, The Race to Save the Romanovs, published in June 2018 by St. Martin's Press. And that's the Commonplace book for July 17th, 2018. Right in the corner where you are. Thank you.